0: One of the things that I think that is similar and happens to fit me very well is I like startups. And in my mind, this small city feels a lot like a startup. There really are, they're stretched for resources and there are far more jobs to do than there are people that are are able to do them.
1: to another episode of the GovGab Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Andreco. Thanks for being along in another episode and excited to get back to the Midwest for episode 10 today, where we get the opportunity to speak with Ryan Wallace, who is the city manager for the city of Crescent, Oklahoma. And Ryan has a really unique journey that he shares with us of, you know, how he was an entrepreneur, um, ran some businesses out West, and then ultimately came back home to be closer to his wife's family um, in Oklahoma. And from there, it kind of slowly started. He was at the fire department to begin and then kind of worked his way up in different roles, um, was helping with IT and those type of things, and now has been the city manager Uh, for a short time, about a year and a half or so, two years uh, for the city of Crescent. So it was a really nice conversation, um, a lot of really deep insight into a small town and a lot of things that they go through. So I think that might appeal for a lot of the individuals out there listening. Um, So I hope you guys really enjoy this episode. Without further ado, let's jump into my chat today with Ryan Wallace. Ryan, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining today. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm excited to chat with you. I know, you know, on our GovGab kind of podcast series, we talk with jurisdictions, both large and small. I know you got, you know, you're a city manager of a smaller jurisdiction there in Oklahoma. So I was excited to kind of learn a little bit more about some of the things you guys are doing there, some of the uh, the opportunities, as well as some of the challenges you guys are having. Uh, But I I did want to start back, if it's okay, because I'm always intrigued, especially folks that decide to get in the public sector and, and kind of have those different roles. Um, can you share just a little bit about maybe your background? How, how did you, did you always want to kind of, as you were growing up as a kid and stuff, want to be involved in in the local government? Or is that something that kind of spawned in college and later? Can you tell us about that to start off? No,
0: actually, actually, I really didn't have any interest in in, in public sector uh, at all. I, I've always been a private sector guy and, um, you know, was intrigued by government, but Um, I really didn't understand the difference between local government versus state and federal. And uh, it wasn't wasn't until later in life that I became interested in my community and and involved with the community that I started to to see um, perhaps there were places that I could could assist and and help out. So my journey started, um, I I met my wife in college. Uh, She was a uh, accounting major. I was a business major. And um, after college, uh, we opened a, a business in California at the time that was a, an automotive manufacturing business, and we grew it from a garage startup to about uh, 22 million a year in sales. And then we sold that and moved to Oklahoma about 10 years ago. And 10 years ago, we we chose Oklahoma. We'd lived in other places, but we chose Oklahoma to be close to her family, and. Um, we, we really were looking for a rural area a place that we could buy buy some land and you know have animals and and really change from from a California lifestyle that we'd lived previous so Oklahoma was was a, was a, a real heartland uh, change for us we changed um, you know quite a lot and really fell in love with the communities out here um, we chose a town called Crescent um, as it was close to my, my in-laws, but also it was uh, an area that, that we saw as being in the path of progress. We, we could see that Oklahoma City was expanding north, and we felt like the 70 cor- 74 corridor was going to be a good place in the future. And so that was, that was a lot of the reason for that decision at the time.
1: And what kind of what was the transition maybe in your head to say, Hey, I want to get more now, now that I'm here in Oklahoma, I want to get more involved in, in the local government and the community. Was, <laughs> was there one thing that happened or was just kind of the natural process of wanting to be involved more? Uh,
0: no, I, I was tricked is the the real, it's <laughs> the real answer to that. Um, I was, I was, uh, talked into joining the, the local fire department. So a lot of the neighbors that I had, um, saw me out doing you know things outdoors and, and doing projects and completing those projects and um, thought that uh, that I would be a, a good hand on the fire department so um, one of my neighbors uh, made a joke that uh, don't worry it's only uh, it's only one Thursday evening a month and a uh, Saturday in January every year that's that's all the time it'll take and um, of course it couldn't be farther from the truth the uh, volunteer fire ended up being a very time-consuming um, task, just with you know training and then then you know the the amount of time that that it requires. Um, that was about ten years ago, and from that, I became more involved with with city government. Um, I started an IT business about the same time. Um, I tend to be a serial entrepreneur, so um, I, I found myself bored and decided that. There were quite a lot of opportunities in this area for IT work, and then started to realize that there were some real specific needs in transportation logistics for oil and gas, and that was really one of the, the first projects that I started out here. And that turned into doing some work for the city government, and and that was really how I was introduced to city government. and. Uh, you know there were there were several opportunities that I had to to onboard here but really the the most significant was just doing IT work and starting to watch the the mechanism behind the scene
1: so how did ultimately the transition to city manager happen
0: well that was that was an interesting transition i was asked uh, several times uh, throughout the last uh, you know seven or eight years and i i guess i ran out of excuses is the the, the real answer but um really i started out here as i t as i said as a as a contractor and then i was asked to do a pio public information officer Um, i moved pretty quickly from that to uh, assistant city manager and then we had an outgoing city manager who recommended me for uh, interim which i agreed to do and help help to replace that position and um shortly after the city council asked if I would just take the um, take the position permanently. And so I agreed to and I've been in the been in the role of city manager for about fourteen, fifteen months now.
1: Okay. What would you say is because you know it's interesting, some of the other city managers I've talked with like mm-hmm. this is like a it was like a career for them, right? They've been doing it for twenty, twenty-five years. They're kind of in the realm, kind of new to the process there. Going assistant city manager and city manager, what do you think is probably the biggest, maybe unspoken challenge you found out once taking a position that maybe you didn't realize coming into it?
0: Well, certainly for me, as being a public sector guy and moving into into, uh, or rather a private sector guy moving into public sector, the 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 rules are really all different, and you know, starting just at the at the top, the accounting rules that that govern uh, that govern private sector versus public sector are just just vastly different. Um, there really I mean I think that there's probably there, there's probably very few similarities in all in all reality. One of the things that I think that is similar and happens to fit me very well is I like startups and in my mind this small city feels a lot like a startup. There really are they're stretched for resources, and there are far more jobs to do than there are people that are that are able to do them. And so, as um, as a city manager in this particular city, I found that I end up wearing a lot of hats, and I like that. I like the challenge of of having a lot of different jobs to do, and and find that that's uh, fits my personality pretty well. So
1: what are some of the things, and, and especially with the small community, and you guys are, I don't know the exact mileage, I didn't do the math, but outside of Hoagland, city, right? And you said mm-hmm. with the 74 corridor coming there, right. what are some things you guys are trying to do to, I mean, is there a push to, to help increase the population, bring in new business? Or is it, is it kind of, hey, we're happy with the size we are and what we're doing as a community? What are some of those conversations you guys are having with council and, and maybe to progress the
0: city? So the interesting thing, uh, Crescent has had a, a a zero growth or no growth mentality for many years, and, and and I think that there are still a lot of folks in this in the city that would like to see it stay like it was, but I think that there's a disconnect about about what the what the city has been traditionally and the work that people to, did to to make it in, in effect grow really there's only two, there's only two directions. There's, there's either growth or, or decline. There's, there's really no homeostasis in keeping, you know, keeping any entity the same size. You have to actively grow just to maintain. And if cities try to, try to, you know, have no growth, they're really, they really tend to decline. And that's really where I found the city 10 years ago when we moved here, um, there, there were a lot of things that were were cute about the town, but we saw a lot of opportunity, particularly in the main street area. There were a lot of dilapidated buildings, and I, I really saw a lot of opportunity for for growth and, and rehabilitation. And then over the the next decade, we we saw the city fall further into into decline and disrepair. And so that's uh, maybe one of the driving factors, one of the things that I thought that I could help with. One of the things that I was shocked to learn is uh, Oklahoma is the only state in, in the United States that doesn't funnel property taxes to cities for the purpose of maintenance. Um, that's a, a unique Oklahoma thing and it actually works, it, it's very difficult for bedroom communities like Crescent um, because a lot of the folks, uh, you know, that, that own property here actually work outside the area and they do a lot of shopping in those areas so for communities like Crescent with without a real vibrant retail uh, environment um, the the resources to maintain the city are really limited so one of the big challenges that we see here in Crescent and one of the things that that we we're that, were that we acknowledge and are working towards is growth of that that retail um, because we're such a small city and and uh, we're effectively one square mile we don't really have a lot of area to bring in uh, new retail so that's been a discussion that we've had with council is annexing uh, more property into the into the town so that we can develop uh, some retail areas we have a 74 highway is basically our main town uh, main road through the middle of town and there are uh, some really gorgeous historic buildings along that, but most of those are, or many of those, are dilapidated and uh, and, and vacant. I would say that there's about a fifty percent vacancy in that area, and some of the ones that that have businesses in them, or or have uh, are occupied, aren't aren't occupied in a in a way that that generates revenue for the city. They're either occupied by um, you know, as, as office space or they're, they're occupied by, um, you know, by, the, there's a, effectively a, a personal museum in one of, the, one of the prime buildings downtown. So really for us to rehabilitate that downtown area, we need to start generating revenue somewhere else. And I think probably the way that we're going to have to do that is, is by getting, by opening up some new retail areas um, where we can bring in some stores, maybe anchor stores and and uh, some some fast food.
1: Is that something? Are, are you guys? And again, I'm a complete novice with this, so the, 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 uh, let me let me kind of go on this tangent with this question. And see if I, you follow. Do you go on actively pursue? Like, are you guys, you know, putting out there to developers or you know other folks to say, hey, you know, we're kind of open for business, if you will. Um, we have some areas here, some of the opportunity, or our folks come in, you know, and look in there a lot, and just seeing if it's a fit or not. How does that all work to bring in these new businesses?
0: I, I think that's that's true in both cases, but yes, absolutely, we are looking for uh, for opportunities, looking for stores that would would consider, uh, you know, locating here. But also we have some challenges that we know we have to overcome for stores that have showed interest and, and maybe have passed on town or, or been unable to locate here uh, for one reason or another. And, and one of those big challenges um, in our town happens to be the uh, the sewer system. We actually have a sewer system that stops at uh, about halfway, you know, geographically about halfway uh, through our town. Um, it covers the north half of the town, but the south half of the town is is actually not covered. So you know, we have a Love's gas gas station, for example. They had to install their own lift station to be able to connect to our gravity sewer and and uh, have sewer services. Um, some of the other some of the other businesses uh, along that southern part of our city actually have uh, septic systems and um, and private lift stations. So we know that. To grow, we're actually going to need to expand, add another lift station to our city, and add more sewer resources uh, to to really cover, you know, businesses in that area, and and that's something that we know uh, will will be a factor in the future.
1: So, where, where do you guys find that? I guess if, if you're not getting property taxes you said, with the uniqueness of Oklahoma, um, where, where do you guys get much? Where, where does a lot of the budget come in from?
0: Well, in in the government sector, we have a three percent sales tax uh, within within the city. So, there, you know, effectively, Crescent's budget is a million dollars in government and a million dollars in its public works. Um, in in the government section, uh, you know, that is, is primarily funded by the sales tax revenue. The majority of that goes to to uh, city services, largest uh, being our police department. And then the public works department uh, operates by selling uh, by selling uh, water and sewer services uh, to residents within our within our geographic footprint, and that um, that generates uh, about a million dollars a year. And um, effectively is is uh, not really a it, it doesn't operate at a, at a at a at much of a profit. We end up breaking even. We've had to do a lot of very large. Uh, infrastructure projects over the last few years, the largest being a, a waterline replacement project that was partially grant, grant funded and partially uh, funded by a USDA loan. and the debt service on that USDA loan um, has has basically consumed any profit that the public works department would have. So one of our challenges now is trying to find ways to grow and and uh, even maintain city services without incurring any new debt. So a lot of our push over the last uh, year has been grant resources. Um, We applied for five grants uh, here in the last uh, 14 months, and we've uh, received uh, approval on three of those. One of the largest is an OWRB REAP grant that we're using to uh, replace all of the water meters in town. And the water meter project is uh, taking some, some antiquated and, and uh, dilapidated water meters and replacing those with new state-of-the-art ultrasonic uh, water meters that uh, have AMR. So w- right now we spend approximately three days per month with, uh, with three staff members uh, walking around town reading water meters and we are anticipating that the amr project will take that you know 24 man hours worth of labor and replace it with a 15 minute drive around town so that's one of the areas that we're that we are looking to improve our our efficiency quite a lot and also the accuracy of our our billing we have found that uh, that the antiquated meters are, are not very accurate. Um, they don't bill for very low flow usage. So if you had a running toilet or, or something, for example, um, they actually may not register that that water consumption. And and also we've found that they tend to be somewhat sticky. They'll they will lock up, and we don't know it until the next billing cycle when we see that the the flow. Or the usage doesn't match what it has historically. Um, the new meters actually will are a lot more accurate, and they also have uh, provisions to alert people when there's uh, leakage. Um, if it detects a low flow that doesn't stop, it actually flags the account, and we're able to to alert residents that they might have uh, you know some water waste.
1: Yeah, that's good. I mean, always trying to you know increase the efficiency of the staff, but also, yeah, if you give some insight there, you actually might recoup some dollars you guys have maybe lost over the years probably, right, in terms of the, the water. And- uh,
0: absolutely. There's, I, I think that there's a, you know, I, I mentioned that Public Works is is, you know, hamstrung right now. We feel like this is definitely a place that we will probably free up some resources and we'll probably also see some additional cash flow in terms of the water rates aren't going up, but we're probably going to see more billing.
1: Well, I I was curious. You mentioned earlier that you wear a lot of hats obviously with the trim staff and what you guys are doing. Is there anything what would we be surprised with something you got to do throughout the day? Cuz you think city manager and you kind of have a certain perception of what that role is and the things you got to do. Is there something where you get your hands dirty where people would be surprised that you have to do?
0: Well, I think probably probably one of the surprises would be that I still do all the IT support for the city. So, uh, when I was uh, when I was hired, I actually have a split role, so I'm actually the uh, city manager, but I'm also still the IT director, so um, probably one-third of my time is split between uh, IT support and and building out our IT system, and the other two-thirds is, is city management. Um,
1: so in terms of structuring your day that obviously if you're getting pulled in a few different directions, right? What is there anything and maybe it's you learned from your, you know, your uh, business days right in the private sector. Any like habits you have or routines that are important for you to kind of keep you level headed throughout the day? Anything you do?
0: Absolutely. One of the things is that I try to uh, band my day. So I, I build uh, certain projects into certain parts of the day. And... um one of the biggest problems i have is interruption of course like like anybody so what i've built is some carve outs in my day where i'm just not not available and then i also tend to do uh, some unhealthy things uh, for example i work at light, at night a lot so um, i i have a tendency and this is you know this is uh, this is a private sector thing um i have a tendency to to take home a lot of work and i do a lot of the the projects um, that, you know, probably, you know, are really, real, realistically crescent projects during family time, time in the image.
1: And one of the things I was asked with that, and, and obviously, you know, with this new role, um, being in the city manager the last 15 months or so, how was it, I've heard some mixed reviews of how people deal with, you know, the council and mayor, right. it's a different, obviously animal, right. Um, getting into that. How have you dealt with that? How is that? that relationship there? Is there anything you've done to kind of make that relationship uh, solid, really to improve the town?
0: You know, that's a, that's an interesting question. I think we are blessed with, with probably the exception to, to virtually every rule that I've heard in terms of, of, you know, council manager, form of government. We have a wonderful, wonderful council and a really, really great mayor. Um, In in fact, I honestly don't think I would have taken this role if if I had a council like a lot of the councils that I that I hear about, you know, ones that are they're constantly in turmoil and and infighting. Our council tends to be pretty, pretty common sense. They understand our limitations. They understand the challenges that we have as a small town. And really, they're they're very unified. I mean, it is it's a really family feel here. And I think that that has been uh, a real blessing. Um, also, we've been pretty proactive on a lot of the projects that we've taken on this year. And, and a lot of folks, uh, I think, understand some of the challenges we're facing and like the direction we're going. So I think in this last year, maybe the, uh, the phone calls that council has had uh, have, have been, um, have been pretty positive you know the the interaction that the council has had from the public a lot of what i hear is is that folks are pretty happy with the direction of things and i think that's made things um, easier for the council and i think as a result of that they've they've embraced a lot of the ideas and and things that i brought to the table i haven't really seen uh, a lot of uh, a lot of uh, infighting or or really any difficulty with council Um, I don't know that that will always be the case. I certainly hope that it is because it's been a really productive year. We've gotten a lot of stuff done and I think that, um, that, that I hope that it always stays that way.
1: Yeah. That's, that's pretty awesome that you have that opportunity there. And yeah, I mean, I'm sure there's differences, but yeah, if you can kind of meet in the middle on a lot of stuff and kind of progress things forward, it's only better for everyone. So that's pretty cool.
0: That's, that's actually been like a, really a tenant of, of, of my whole platform here. Uh, as a city manager, I've just tried to say, hey, we're going to get a lot more done if we can work together, and I feel like we're better together. That's sort of a, a saying that I use a lot, and and it's it's heartfelt. I feel like when we work together, um, not you know not pushing special interests, but just the general good and welfare of Crescent, we're we're going to get a lot more done, and we're going to be a lot happier. And and I think that folks have embraced that idea. I've seen a lot of cooperation in areas that. You know, folks haven't really been very cooperative in the past. They seem to be getting along really well right now. It might just be a honeymoon period, but I hope it stays this way forever.
1: One of the things I was really curious about, especially with the state, um, because again, I don't live there and and, and you only hear stuff on the news. How do you get and you've been there 10 years now? How do you get ahead of the weather? Um, I know there's a lot of, there's a lot of uncertainty throughout the year. Like, is that, do you guys, is there anything you can plan for or anything you guys do as a city do, I don't know, to to make sure everyone's safe or, I don't know. I'm just more curious than ever just uh, by where you guys are located.
0: Sure. Now there's, there's a tremendous amount of planning that goes into, you know, weather preparedness here. So as a, as a, as a native Californian, um, weather is just absolutely no factor. I mean, I, I have never really dealt with weather a lot of people talk about earthquakes and you know there are there are some programs for earthquake preparedness in California but weather is is not really something to fear necessarily um my move to oklahoma was was definitely eye opening it's uh, the the weather is 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 very unpredictable here and can be of course just uh, just very severe so one of the first um ways that I was introduced to weather preparedness is through the fire department. Our local fire department does a lot of, um, uh, does a lot of work to, to prepare storm watch, uh, you know, storm shelter registration. That was one of the, one of the projects that I started early on was actually developing a database and collecting storm shelter data so that folks could, uh, could register storm shelters and the fire department would be able to find them. Not just with visual references or an address, but actually with GPS coordinates. Um, so the the fire department does a lot. The police department does a uh, does an awful lot of of uh, preparedness. Our, our police chief is also our emergency manager here, and I know that uh, that you know virtually all the firemen have been through storm spotter school, and I think most of the the policemen as well. Um, the city uh has has taken um has taken a lot of steps to educate the public but one of the things that we have not had in the past is is a good public uh shelter and one of the projects that's that's ongoing right now is there's a fema project uh in place right now to build uh, uh, a, a fema shelter at the school at crescent public schools and so that's uh one of the major steps that we're taking to really prepare our, our community for for a, a tornado or some other uh, disaster, but I'll tell you this: last year has been really eye-opening. This last storm shell, this storm season, the last couple of months have have really have really uh, upset a lot of the city services. One of the things that we've experienced here this last uh, you know within the last couple of months is lightning storms that have disabled a good deal of our of our city infrastructure we took a lightning strike to the city hall building which basically burned out nearly every computer in the building including our SCADA system the SCADA system is the computerized system that controls our water and sewer systems and reports uh, trouble with those that system is has been completely damaged, damaged beyond repair at this point. And then we also saw some lightning strikes out on some of the remote uh, locations throughout our city over at gathering wells and, and water towers that have, uh, that have done damage to pumps and all, all kinds of things. Essentially, our city is on full manual control right now. We're having to manually control and we we've, we've put in a couple of uh, temporary type systems but essentially manually control all of our water uh, pumps and high, high lift pumps that pump the water up to the towers and in our sewer system. All those systems are having to be controlled by, uh, by men on overtime right now. And um, we have a, a contractor that's working very hard to build a new system, but it's a, it's a very large project. We're probably still another 60 days uh, away um, from full implementation.
1: Wow. That's pretty, uh, that's pretty insane. Yeah. How do you, so how do you, I, I don't even know you can manually do, I guess you can, but so how does, how does that even, can you explain, I'm just more, again, my curiosity is peaked. Like how do you manually.
0: Control a water Yeah. Well, in, in a city like this, um, really the, the water pressure is generated by water in a standpipe or a elevated tower. And we, we have one of each of those. Um, so really if the water level in that tower varies a little bit you'll see some small variation in in the in the water pressure uh, at your faucet but essentially uh, we have we have the ability to turn on a pump a high lift pump which which takes water from um, our our treatment uh, area our clear well and pumps it up to that that tower so essentially how how water is produced in a city like ours um, is is we use uh, domestic water wells that are located uh, outside of town, about three, four miles out of town. And those domestic water wells um, produce water, uh, untreated water, which is sent to a, a, a clear well, a treatment uh, plant. And the treatment plant chlorinates the water and stores it through for a, for a period of time until high lift pumps pump that water up to the tower and then it's distributed through our distribution network throughout town. So essentially it's a function of, of watching tower levels, clearwell levels, and turning pumps on in all of those locations at the right time to keep, to keep the water at the right level. Um, and then the chlorination system is automatic. It's, it's based on, on the volume of water passing through a system. So the more water that flows, the more chlorine flows in, in proportion to that. So essentially, that's the system. It's a pretty simple system, thankfully. Um, we're not using groundwater or anything like that. If we were using groundwater and we had a you know a, a water treatment plant, it would be a much harder thing to to do. But because we're using domestic wells and and a clear well to, to treat, it's actually a fairly simple system. And because of that, we're you know it's not too difficult to run. It just takes a lot of labor. It takes a lot of time. It's it's a lot of driving around. Uh, To all those different locations, every one of those uh, locations that I mentioned is geographically separated. Um, The domestic water wells again are, you know, uh, the furthest one is about five miles out of town, and you have to actually physically drive there to turn the pump on and off.
1: Did you ever think 10 years ago you would be talking about domestic wells and chlorinization? Never. <laughs> never. Happened during- so my
0: background is manufacturing and, and uh, systems are, are are fun for me. I mean, that's interesting for me. Yeah. But I've, you know, I come from automotive manufacturing and defense, uh, you know, manufacturing things for, for life support systems for defense. So domestic water wells were never really in my in my purview. I never really thought about that
1: yeah well it seems like you're doing some great things obviously in the city and and trying to progress it let's end on this i'm curious maybe and it's i'll kind of leave open forum here Um, any thoughts you have or advice you know if you're talking to other cities maybe think maybe it's other smaller communities things that you've learned there that could be helpful for them Uh, maybe it's one tip or something to maybe help them progress anything you've learned in your time there um, either, you know, from your role all the way from the fire um, department all the way up to what you're doing today. Anything in particular you'd share, something you've learned along the years?
0: Yeah, absolutely. The, the biggest tip that I have and the thing that we have done, uh, we haven't really talked about much today, but but probably one of the biggest, um, biggest factors in moving our fire department forward um, and also the city forward is embracing technology and data. One of the things that we have done in, in both of those uh, both of those uh, venues, both the fire department and, and in the city, is we have developed databases and done a lot of work to to modernize the city. Many of the cities like Crescent are, are still dealing with, you know with, with, with technology that's probably 30, 40 years out of date. And over the last decade, we've, we've really turned that around. Um, now the city is developing uh, applications to to streamline, you know, a lot of our processes. Uh, we we have a, a code enforcement database that we've rolled out recently that has um, reduced the workload dramatically. We touched briefly on the AMR system and, and the reduction in workload. We're anticipating when that's rolled out in a, another few months. We've seen similar uh, improvements at the fire department with the uh, with the storm shelter uh, registration database, we have databases that that we've developed for our water system now that that uh, track and and report back to the uh, DEQ as our Department of Environmental Quality. There's a monthly report that we have done by hand for many years. That's all uh, electronic nowadays. Uh, guys in their in their uh, with their mobile phones, are collecting that data now, and that data flows into a report that's generated automatically. Um, there's been a lot of projects that we've done like that. A lot of them have have happened in, internally in the city, but also with, with good partnerships. And I think that that by really uh, embracing that technology and streamlining operations, we've seen some really dramatic differences in, in our town. And and also the way we communicate with our customers, um, we in, in the past have have not had a really well documented system here at, at, at the city, and we're trying to change that. We're trying to improve the documentation of of our uh, of our internal infrastructure and projects, but also the way we communicate with customers, both in you know our, our permitting processes and and uh, certifications of of different things and in the way that we collect information from our customers Um, embracing technology has been a a major major difference for us
1: yeah that's really great well i appreciate you sharing that ryan i appreciate you sharing the the story just kind of your journey a little bit definitely unique um which is really cool uh, to kind of see where you've come from and and how you guys are trying to progress the city there so thank you so much for taking some time out and, and sharing that with us thank you brian i appreciate the opportunity Well, I hope you all enjoyed that interview with Ryan Wallace, City Manager of Crescent, Oklahoma. And just one quick ask before you run along on your day. If you don't mind, head over to iTunes, our Operate Intelligently podcast, and leave us a quick review. Give us a rating. Let us know how we're doing on this podcast, and we certainly appreciate it. It's the only way we can make this better and better each and every episode. Look forward to having you guys in the next one. I hope you guys have a great week, and we'll talk to you soon. Take care.